Hello and welcome to the Moonshots Podcast. It's episode 227. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons, and as always, I'm joined by Mark Pearson Freeland. Good morning, Mark. Hey, good morning, Mike. Good morning, listeners. Good morning, members. Good morning, viewers. Is there any other medium, Mike, that we could try and call out and get uh, individuals around the world listening in and joining us as we learn out loud on the Moonshots podcast? I think we nearly have maxed it out. Maybe it's we need an additional audience. Maybe it's the memorizers. Ooh, I think the memorizers would find the topic of today's episode very, very uh, revealing, very exciting, and very, very insightful because today, listeners, members, and viewers, we have a powerhouse of a book. We are diving into Unlimited Memory by Kevin Horsley. Now, this, Mike, as you can see on the book title that's just behind us, and for listeners who can't see us, this is by uh, Grandmaster Kevin Horsley. And the reason why individuals like Kevin get such an amazing uh, headline, should we say, is because they have proven themselves to be extraordinary when it comes to the power of recognition and memory. Boy, Mike, I think that is a pretty good uh, uh, call out as we are within this Good Thinking series. For somebody who can join the ranks of our Moonshot uh, library, who's a grand master of memory, and they're going to make the case for us today on how you and I and our listeners can also activate that advanced level of memory recognition. I think that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good addition, wouldn't you say? I, I do. I think you know the the title of Grandmaster sounds pretty intense. If you ask me, <laughs> uh, I don't know what he. Do you know what he specifically did to be a Grandmaster? Has he? Is this a, a, an officious title that he's received through through something? It is. Yeah, that's correct. It's, a, it's an official title that Kevin received by proving himself on the, uh, let's say, the, the world stage of memory. Okay. So there's a lot of work and a lot of situations, um, exhibitions and so on that people can go through, uh, such as even the Guinness World Records, for example. He's essentially a Guinness World Record uh, legend when it comes to memory. Holy smoke. Grandmaster of chess. Now, see, he spent a lifetime um, pursuing an unlimited memory, and I think we have to confess to our listeners that we actually both were really surprised in preparing this show and studying this book because we both were like, gee, I hadn't thought that I could work on my memory as actively uh, as Mm. what Kevin suggests. And, in fact, it's a bit uh, analogous to the happiness series. We both walked away from that going, wow, you can really kind of work on happiness, like going to the gym. And I have to say, I think memory is exactly the same, don't you? Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting build, Mike. I mean, Kevin was one of those individuals who who wasn't necessarily born with, you know, an ultra large brain. You know, he wasn't necessarily remembering uh, his ABCs any quicker than anybody else. Instead, he was actually dyslexic and he actually struggled through going through school, but he was able to train his brain similar to, as you've just said, any other muscle to retain information much more substantially than anyone else. And through the work that he did, through analysis, through uh, trial and error, figuring out the things that worked well for him. He was then able to put that into practice, like I said earlier, 
to win um, medals and prove himself on the uh, world record stage through repetition. Mm. So he essentially had figured out a lot of the tips and tricks and techniques that worked for him. He complemented that with some scientific research and has developed this book based on what he's understood from a scientific as well as proven uh, stage that enabled him to get to the grand master um, level within the memory game. And, and I, think, I think memory and knowledge, as, as we've discovered on this Good Thinking series, but also previously with the likes of Jim Quick, I think memory is a really important faculty in our mm. daily operations because I think one of the things is we just are presented with a whole lot of information. So knowing how to filter through it, knowing how to organize it, a la Tiago Forte with the second brain. But I think with memory, I think we have a choice to allocate the the random access memory that we have as humans, our RAM. I think using that, working that out like a muscle, but more even simply still, like let's load our minds with positive, valuable Mm. knowledge and wisdom that we've accumulated that really helps us be the best version of ourselves, that really helps us in our craft, in our art, doing our life's work. And I think that's all ahead for us here on this show, Mark. So why don't we rip mm. into it? What have you got first to, to launch into the grand master's world of unlimited memory? Look, I think we've got to launch straight into grand master Kevin Horsley, who's presenting at TED in Pretoria, uh, which is where he's from. So let's actually hear straight away, enough of you and me, Mike. Let's hear from Kevin Horsley himself. Introduce us to the power of memory. There is no such thing as a good or a bad memory. There is only a good or a bad memory strategy. Now, some people think they have a bad memory because they can't remember where they put their car keys. Ever had that experience? Well, that's not a memory problem. That's an attention problem. Because when you put your car keys down, you just didn't pay attention. But if you look at your car keys and you don't know what they're for, now that's a memory problem. (laughs) But what about if you park your car at a shopping mall and you get back and it's gone? Well, sometimes it is gone. (laughs) But if you always want to remember where you parked your car, you just need to turn around, mark it as something in the environment, obviously not the car next to you, and you'll obviously be able to remember your car. So most of the things that we call memory problems are quite normal and can be solved with a bit of attention. But memory is so much more than this. So why is it important for us to improve our memory? Well, how many of you have read the book Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey? Okay, what are the seven habits? (laughs) What's the use of reading or learning anything if you can't recall what you know? Because no matter how much you discover or experience here today, its value vanishes if you forget it all tomorrow. You can only live information if you can remember it. And the quality of your thinking is determined by the facts that you have remembered. Because your thinking relies on short-term and long-term storage of information. The great innovator Thomas Edison said, I didn't read a few books. I read the library. And he remembered everything that he read. 
Because the more information that you can process, the more ideas you can generate. When you have laser-like focus and you improve your memory, you also improve your speed of learning and recall. You improve your self-confidence and you'll be known as someone that knows their stuff. Tell me, would you allow a doctor to operate on you if they had to continually refer to a manual? Or would you hire someone for their ability to Google information? No, you wouldn't. So we really need to get back to our brain and start storing information in our brain again because that is where the magic of creativity happens. There's a saying that says that the shortest pencil is better than the longest memory. Well, that's not true because when information is on paper or on a screen, you are observing knowledge. But when it is in your brain, you have an inward experience of knowledge. And the more memories you have properly stored in your brain, the more potential you have to make unique combinations and connections. And the more you know, the easier it is to get to know more. Uh, unique combinations and connections that almost surmises our battle mark. We're trying to remember yeah. everything we learn on the show, right? We're constantly That's looking right. at those, those connections. And it's a great trick. I mean, we've studied uh, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. <laughs> and when Don't he put says, me on the spot. what are the actual seven habits, you're yeah. like, oh, boy. And it's funny. Mm. I can't recall all seven. And we studied. I've read the book, and I can't recall all seven. Because there's so much coming in my brain every week and every day. And I do think that, you know, so many problems that we see in the world have been solved before. And so I think if you have the ability to go back into history, for example, if you look at seven habits of highly effective people, you might argue that a lot of self-improvement books that have come following that book riff on very similar themes, right? Hmm. So what you see is that historically speaking, like mankind's been around for millennia solving problems. So your ability to recall learnt wisdom or thinking models a la Elon Musk or even you and me, Mark, just trying to remember what has been shared on this show. For example, with Stephen Covey, oh my gosh, like the circle of influence and focusing on that, that circle that you do in fact control and not mm. worrying about things beyond that. What a powerful thought. I'm so glad that that really stuck with me. But on the other hand, maybe mm. if I'd listened to Kevin, I could remember the other six as well. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but it, it, I think that's a really interesting um, insight, Mike. There's been so many individuals and so much work done before us that a lot of the time the problems that we are facing have probably been solved elsewhere yes. or they've been solved before. And like you say, there's been so many times when us both on the podcast as well as in our own working lives, we'll be picking up these books to try and help us. All of us do whether they're problems with uh, careers, with relationships, with decision-making, uh, or just using our time efficiently, or happiness. Yes. All of these books have so much wealth and knowledge within them. It can be hard to, to really crack down Absolutely. and remember all of that stuff. Absolutely. And Kevin's really made that case for, for me 
because at the end of the day, my relationship to my memory is fairly um, um, light. It's light touch. I don't take a lot of ownership when it comes to improving my memory. Yes. Instead, it just feels like it's fairly fixed, which then goes against the uh, the insights that we've always shared, which yeah. is, you know, growth mindset and so Yeah, on. yeah, yeah. So here's the interesting thing. I think I'm quite conscious and active of the inputs, but I haven't been nearly as active and aware of the retention of the good stuff. Like I said, I, I instantly can recall the most powerful and vivid uh, habit from the Seven Habits um, book, but I can't, you know, I'd have to really go back and write it out a bit to see if I can remember the others. And I think this is the opportunity that when we're presented with complex problems, if we can recall the lessons of history or even still make it even easier, at least we can recall the thinking models the mindsets or approaches that would be available to us. Like say there's a problem, maybe I can think about it in a couple of different ways. Being able to recall those actively, and this takes me back to Cal Newport's deep work, this active recall of knowledge is so very crucial because that's when you make connections, synergies, imagination happens, all of those good things so he certainly made a great case, and I'd like to make a case to you, Mark, that we, we, we truly have some great members as well. Oh, that's right, Mike. Indeed, we do. And I'm going to confess, I don't have everybody memorized off the top of my head yet, <laughs> but maybe inspired by today's show, I will be able to remember everybody's name. But until then, let me read out from my piece of paper that I prepared earlier. Please welcome our annual members. Bob, John, Terry, Ken, Dietmar, Marjan, Connor, Rodrigo, Lisa, Sid, Mr. Bonjour, Paul, Berg, Kalman, David, Joe, Crystal, Ivo, Christian, Samuela, Barbara, Andre, Eric, Chris, Deborah, Lasse, and brand new graduate who has joined the ranks of the annual members this week, Steve. But again, close on those heels include Craig, Daniel, Andrew, Ravi, Yvette, Karen, Raul, and PJ, Nicaragua, Ola, Ingram, Dirk, Emily, Harry, Karthik, and Venkata, Marco, Roger, Steph, Gabia, Anna, Raw, Nimelen, and Eric, Diana, Wade, Amanda, Christoph, Denise, Teresa, Bolinara, Laura, Smitty, Corey, Andre, Gayla, Max, Bertram, Daniela, and Mike. Woo! Mike, maybe one day I will be able to remember all of those people back to back if anyone's going to teach me how. It's probably going to be the grandmaster himself, Mr. Kevin Horsley, don't you think? Oh, I think so. And a big thanks and a big shout out to all of our members, all of our viewers. So if you are listening on the audio show, head over to YouTube because you can get the show over there or check the show notes uh, in your app of choice and you'll find a link to YouTube as well. So, um, okay, the grandmaster, Mark, he made his case. But the good news is that he has a very memorable acronym for us to actually start applying it, doesn't he? That's right. We're going to now hear from a breakdown with Dreamlet, who does a fantastic YouTube channel. He's going to provide us a breakdown of some of the memory methods available, and they are called the four C's. In order to master memory, you need the four C's. Concentration, create imagery, connecting concepts, and continuous use. Concentration means purpose, interest, and curiosity. 
create imagery means to practice your imagination and senses. The more creative you are, the easier the memory methods are. Connecting concepts means to practice relating the known to the unknown. Continuous use means review and practice as often as you can. Those are the four C's that will guide you to gaining superhuman memory. All right, here are the memory methods. Most methods use the journey or mind movie tool where you imagine certain events happening in your head. First, the car method. In this method, you imagine going through your car and seeing events or objects in a particular sequence that represent what you need to memorize. For instance, if you want to memorize the seven habits of highly effective people, you might make up a story with a B for be proactive and a brain running to a finish line to represent begin with the end in mind and so on. Basically what you have to do is imagine a story with notable characters and the environment is your car. For the body method, instead of a car, replace it with your body. You can start at your toes and move your way up or vice versa. And that's it for the body method. There are two peg methods. First, the rhyme method. Come up with rhymes for numbers such as one bun, two shoe, and so on. Then store whatever you need to memorize in the object. Next, the shape method. Imagine objects that are shaped like numbers, such as a pencil for one and a duck for two, and then use those objects to make connections to information you want to memorize. Next is the places or location method. This is essentially the same idea as the car and body method, but you use a place you're very familiar with. This is Kevin's method for memorizing 10,000 digits of pi and achieving unlimited memory. Next is the link method. Come up with a story to memorize a list. For instance, you see a man washing a tin with a large Adam's apple. A chef and her son hand him medicine and then so on. That's for memorizing presidents. Another approach is to combine images and create a story from them. Here's the first 10 elements of the periodic table. Next is memorizing names. First, the comparison method. Think of somebody with the same name as the person you met and compare facial features. Connect them in your mind. For the second method, find an outstanding feature in the person's face, like their nose, eyes, or ears, and link them to their name. Finally, memorizing numbers. Assign each number to a sound. Zero for the s sound, one for the t or d sound, two for the n sound, three for the m sound, four for the r sound, five for the l sound, six for the j, sh, or ch sound, seven for the k sound, eight for the v or f sound, nine for the b or p sound. Vowels are ignored, so United States of America is 21101108347. Use this to remember phone numbers, dates, stock prices, restroom codes, and so on. That was so intense, Mark. <laughs> Do you know my first reaction there is like, I am doing absolutely none of that. That's exactly the insight I have scribbled down as well, Mike. There were so many, obviously that's born out of the four C's from Kevin Horsley, who, uh, as, as a quick reminder, we'll come back to the, the framework later on, Mike, as well, but concentration, create imagery, create, uh, connect concepts and continuous use. When you then add on those layers that we heard specifically around how you remember names, numbers, yeah. and, and places, I'm not doing any of those things. Again, as I mentioned earlier, my relationship to my memory is very passive. Yes. I will remember what I remember and and that's about it. Sometimes I'll I'll obviously make notes and write the things down that I deem uh, areas that I might struggle to recall later, such as key pieces of information, to-do lists, that sort of thing. I'll obviously write it down and I'll use a combination of both digital as well as analog for some of those things. But really Mike that that's probably about the the level that I go to. It's it's lists, it's uh, columns, its categories, and so on. Maybe more familiar to what we were hearing from Tiago uh, 
with this building a second brain. But when it comes to memory, really, I'm, I'm not utilizing any of those <laughs> techniques yet, um, it, which I think is surprising, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it's such a wake-up call. But also, did I hear it correctly that Kevin Horsley remembered how many characters of the pie number? 10,000. He can, so he he remembered can it. remember the entire 10,000 number set. Through uh, the technique of places. No Correct. wonder he gets so, Grandmaster in the title. Exactly. The, these are one of the, and that's, uh, that could well be the, the Guinness World Record he has, actually, because he is able to, and, and we'll dig in a little bit more later in the rest of this episode as well. We've got a couple of other clips coming up that will bring that to life. But just the concept of remembering 10,000 items, 10,000 numbers specifically that are essentially random, um, at least to, to a, an amateur like myself, it, it baffles me. I, 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 can't, I can't comprehend that. That's the yes. sort of thing that you would assume people who have spent um, their entire lives and their families, you know, they've inherited this fantastic memory. But really, as I mentioned at the beginning, Kevin Horsley was not that individual when he was mm. at school, something that he's trained himself. Yes. And I think that's such a powerful reminder, isn't it, that we could all do this if we are disciplined enough. I think that's yes. one of the key takeaways that I could pull out of this. If you're disciplined enough to put into practice some of those yeah. methods, yeah. maybe we can strive for that. What do you think at first listen from that clip? Which do you think if you were to start, okay, I'm going to work on my memory now. At least let's mm. try and remember the seven habits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's yeah. just start there. Which technique would you be would be your go-to? Well, I'm not choosing this one because it was the first one and my memory isn't so good. Mm. Uh, I do I do have a list here. Actually, I think the car one is mm. is a, a fairly um easy one for myself to to get into because and the reason why I quite like that idea is I can visualize the inside of my car fairly easily. It's a contained space. There's not too much in there. Mm. And therefore, if I was to attach or place certain memories that I was trying to remember, let's say the seven habits within that space, and therefore I'm looking around and visualizing each of those elements, I believe that that could be of the methods that we just heard within those four C's. That could be the one for me that, that stands out actually, Mike. More so, perhaps the, the the numbers at the end, the yeah. different intonations. Yeah, yeah. That that one, I, I I need I need a crash course to to dive a little bit deeper. <laughs> but do you know what's kind of exciting? It, it, yeah, it, it sounds fun. It does, but it but like it's like a whole universe of memory and association that you're like, mm. I didn't even know this stuff existed. Right? It's so exciting to think that oh wow, I could better recall knowledge and wisdom, data and information. So that I can use it, can be at my fingertips. Like, fantastic! I'm in. I'm in. It it, it makes so much sense. It, it it feels to me again a build on Tiago last week. We now know that our brains are not necessarily the best categorized space. There's information out out and about now that is pretty overwhelming. However, if you um, condense it and utilize that second brain then you utilize some of these methods when it comes to memory. I mean, that sounds pretty unstoppable, Mike. That sounds, 
we, we'd be uh, really performing at the best of our abilities, I'd say. So I think, um, I think it is just exciting to think that there is just so much to explore in performing better. I mean, that's certainly the moment that I'm having here. And it's great that we've kind of set this framework of the four C's. And I'm, you know, I'm really looking to forward to jumping into it with you. I think one important note is if you are watching or listening and you want to grab the show notes that are associated uh, with this so that you can improve your memory, Mark, what is the destination that you can go and pick up all those show notes? It's very, very simple. Just pop along to www.moonshots.io. You can get access to all of our archive shows, first of all. That's all 227, like, that, you know, maybe if we use our unlimited memories, we could name back-to-back all 227. (laughs) Kevin Horsley certainly could. Um, You've got show notes. You've got transcriptions. You've got uh, frameworks. You've got our upcoming list as well as the ability to sign up and become a member. It really is the one-stop shop for all things Moonshots, and that's moonshots.io. Yeah, I feel like we almost need to be able to associate that with a numerical number if we're to you know, tip the hat to, to Kevin. But, Mark, we are not done on frameworks, models, and ways to improve our memory, I don't think. No, if anything, Mike, I'm afraid to say we might just be getting started. Oof. So next up, we're going to hear from Productivity Game, a Moonshot's favorite, who's now going to help us break down even further one of Kevin Horsley's very uh, condensed and specific master memory ca- techniques, which is called seeing. The two methods are seeing and placing. First, see it, S-E-E. S-E-E is the act of bringing information to life in your mind. Think of it like taking a PowerPoint presentation and turning it into an amusement park ride. S-E-E stands for sense, exaggerate, and energize. When you encounter information you want to remember, turn that information into a rich sensory experience in your mind. If you wanted to remember the last name of the author, Horsley, you could see a horse in your mind. You could touch it, smell it, hear it, or even taste it. Okay, tasting a horse is a bit gross, but it's memorable. Then exaggerate the images you've imagined. Make the horse pink and make it the size of a house. The goal is to be extreme, ridiculous, and funny. Horsley says, the more illogical the image, the more it will stick. There is no scientific evidence to prove that learning should be serious. And finally, energize the image in your mind by tapping into your inner Walt Disney and turning still images into motion pictures. S-E-E, sense, exaggerate, and energize. I use the S-E-E method whenever I give a presentation. When I was preparing for a talk on the five feel-good neurochemicals that are naturally released in a state of flow, that optimal state where you feel your best and perform your best, I use the S-E-E method to remember the association between each neurochemical and a familiar drug to help my audience understand the effect of each neurochemical. Now, it's worth noting that you can't take these five drugs and experience flow because the five neurochemicals have to be in perfect balance, which the brain naturally does in a state of flow. The first neurochemical was dopamine. When dopamine is present in the brain, you feel excited. A well-known drug that temporarily spikes dopamine in the brain is cocaine. To remember the association between dopamine and cocaine, I imagine dopey, 
one of the dwarves from Snow White, drinking a giant can of Coca-Cola. Dopey sounds like dopamine, and Coca-Cola sounds like cocaine. The second neurochemical, anandamide, provides a feeling of bliss, and it's associated with the psychoactive component in marijuana. To remember the connection between anandamide and marijuana, I imagine Wolverine from the X-Men grunting while he attacks a giant marijuana plant with his adamantium claws. The word adamantium reminds me of anandamide. The third neurochemical, serotonin, provides feelings of happiness and self-confidence, and it's often associated with antidepressants like Prozac. To remember the connection between serotonin and Prozac, I imagine comedian Sarah Silverman standing on stage in a loud comedy club, making out with Zac Efron. Sarah reminds me of serotonin, and Zac reminds me of Prozac. The fourth neurochemical is norepinephrine, and it helps you stay focused and attentive. A drug associated with norepinephrine is Ritalin. To remember this association, I imagine the Riddler from Batman in his bright green suit fighting Batman at the cold and icy North Pole. North Pole reminds me of norepinephrine, and the Riddler reminds me of Ritalin. And the last neurochemical, endorphins, is known to blunt the feeling of pain, much like the opiate, OxyContin. To remember this association, I imagine dolphins, which sounds like endorphins, jumping out of a giant pool filled with white OxyContin pills. These ridiculous images made the neurochemical and drug association stick in my mind. But what ultimately made it easy to remember all five neurochemicals in order was where they were placed in my mind. Wow, Mike, that was the craziest assortment. And (laughs) I I mean, I can totally um, see how the, the ridiculous contrast there grabs your attention and sort of carves it permanently into your memory. Right. But, does, um, yeah. but I, I have to say like that is such an elaborate exercise and I can see why it works, but I'm, I'm almost a little bit um, just surprised at the, the work that you need to do to really cultivate this, this memory aspect. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I do know what you mean. It, it, uh, when you break it down, as, as Productivity Game has there for us, which, which is quite a nice, let's say, case study, trying to remember those specific uh, drugs and, and ingredients and so on, I think it demonstrates to me how tongue-in-cheek your approach to memory can be. And what I mean by that is it does not need to be something that's very, very dry. For me, in my past, doing exams as a child, uh, university, college, so on. The way that I was trying to retain information was repetition, 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 writing it down again and again and again until my belief, at least, this is the way that I was raised. If you write it down enough, it's going to stick. What I find a real interesting call out through that clip, as well as the work that we're getting from, from Kevin Horsley, is that it doesn't need to be that straightforward or dry or simple, you know, sitting there and writing it out. And and it can be, that's exactly the words I was writing down. It can be fun. And actually in a funny sort of way, there are now references that we've just heard in that clip that I'm now going to remember because of seeing somebody else come up with with a a slightly crazy or creative solution. You're right, Mike. It does seem as though there's a little bit of work that has to go in to, to setting it up, totally. at least from a creative perspective. 
But I guess the, the proof is, as they say in the pudding, if you're then able to retain that information from just that right. small amount of work that you would do up front to then, let's say, for, the, for life, now remember it, maybe that is a, a fairly good um, value equation. Well, yeah, certainly worthwhile, but it shows you that, you know, because so few of us, I'm going to assume that if you and I are like not doing this work, I'm going to assume that a ton of our viewers and listeners are also like, geez, I'm not doing any of this as well. It shows you like how much is untapped. It it makes me walk away going, oh my gosh, how much memory wisdom and knowledge is untapped just because we simply can't recall it. Yeah. And, and actually that to me is one of the key takeaways that I'm already having from this. How much am I wasting from a knowledge perspective? How much of my memory am I treating as, as disposable? I suppose all of those pieces of information are just you know the iceberg, uh, the tip of the iceberg, isn't it? We all learn so much every single day. We're exposed to so much, and we naturally deprioritize a lot of it. But actually, if you are to, you know, spend that time, structure it, remember those certain certain facts, it really can be probably something that gets easier over time. It probably does come naturally uh, once you start, you know, pulling out the Wolverines and so on. Uh, once or twice, it probably does uh, make it a little bit easier each time. But boy, it does sound like I've been underutilizing this aspect of my life until now. But but let's now go on the other side of this. How exciting that there are all these ready-made models, tools uh, available for us to go and to use to accelerate, improve the efficiency mm. of our memory, to be able to recall the good stuff in life. And we just talked about seeing. Um, Kevin's got this other one called placing, right? He does indeed. So now let's jump straight back in to Productivity Game, who's now going to give us the second half of Kevin's master methods. If you ever have a long list of items you want to remember, like five stories for a presentation or 10 ingredients for a recipe, place the items of that list in the memory of a familiar environment. See, our minds are great at remembering the details of the environments we've been in. Just close your eyes and try to imagine walking through your house. After a second or two, I'm sure you'll be able to imagine your front door, then your kitchen, then your TV room, then maybe your stairs and your bathroom. You can leverage the ease with which you recall environments to easily remember new information. In the case of that neurochemical presentation I gave, I imagined Dopey greeting me at the front door of my house with a giant can of Coke. Then I walked into my house and saw Wolverine attacking a giant plant of marijuana with his adamantium claws in my kitchen. Then I walked into my TV room, and on the TV I saw Sarah Silverman making it with Zac Efron. Then I walked upstairs and saw Riddler fighting Batman at the top of my ice-covered staircase. Then I went into my bathroom and saw mini dolphins jumping out of the bathtub, which was filled with thousands of white OxyContin pills. Author Kevin Horsey says, The journey is like the paper, and the images are like the ink. The placing method allows you to use every building you've lived in, worked at, or visited to store new information. You can walk through and place information in your parents' house, or in the hallways of your high school, or in the aisles of the grocery store you're familiar with. You can place information on the route to work, or on the route you take to your favorite restaurant. Author Kevin Horsey says, 
Some people say, I will run out of space. But if I gave you a truck full of objects to place in a shopping mall, would you be able to do that? Of course you would. If you look for it, you will find thousands and thousands of places just waiting to be used in your mind. There are no limits to the system, only limits in your own thinking. Get rid of the excuses like, I'm not creative, or I don't think like this. This isn't how I thought either. This is how I train myself to think, because it works. Perfect memory is a skill, and not some special gift. Like so much of life, right, Mark? It's like crazy. Yeah. If you just work on it, it's amazing what you can master. Why do you think the, the placing works so well? Uh, for me, it's in fact, it's it's probably why I was gravitating towards all of the, as we heard within the 4C clip, we heard a plethora of different approaches there. We heard car, body, peg, shape, places, link, names, and numbers. Yeah. For me, that first one, you know, the, the car space actually stood out a lot because it was somewhere that I was able to visualize so well. Yeah. And I think that's where Kevin, what Kevin's trying to make the case for with the idea of the placing principle. If you uh, think about the place that you, or a space, I suppose, that you frequent the most, it's probably going to be your own home. Mm. Obviously, as we are hearing at the end of the clip, you can obviously expand it into shopping malls, villages, um, your neighborhood, whatever it is, if you need more space. But for me, the placing seems so ownable and unique. Yeah. And I can visualize my house so well that if I was to place those unusual situations or unusual moments within my house, I'm therefore going to remember it. It's like seeing something unusual when you're out and about. Maybe it's um, a whale swimming by in the ocean. Maybe it's something strange. Maybe it's a posh car you've never seen before driving along the road. You're more likely to probably remember those things that are, as we saw in the C principle, exaggerated. It's something unique, something Mm. weird. Mm. If you're seeing it in your familiar, in your normal familiar environment, perhaps that's even more um, memorable because it is so unusual. I think for me, that's really what I'm starting to understand when it comes to Kevin's work on this memory. If you create new memories that are then reinforcing the memories that you're trying to remember, right? you've almost got to have a memory to remember. <laughs> but isn't so that it, memory has to be on you. Isn't it uh, hilarious? that creatively in your imagination placing ideas and these moments and memory in a physical place helps Mm. you. It's like storing them in your imagination requires you to imagine a real place. That's such an ironic twist, isn't it? Well, I I think the case for me and, and here's, here's how I interpret the value of that. It isn't too dissimilar to, writing down your thoughts or your um, considerations into a journal or on a piece of paper or whatever it might be, because what you're doing there, and this works for me, is you're making them physical. You're bringing them into a new dimension, let's say. It's coming out of my head onto a piece of paper. If I can then do the same when it comes to memories and I'm attaching them to real world situations, let's say, or real world locations, that for me feels a little bit more um, unusual, a little bit more uh, memorable. It's certainly not something I, I ever really got taught at school. Mm. It isn't necessarily something that I really invested a lot of time in my 
early career or, or early adult life to really understand or, or utilize. But actually, as we've started to understand today, this idea really has already helped me remember a few things from just the clips that we've learned today. That's right. That's because crazy. it's so strange and unusual. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's really distinct in sort of, you know, I always in marketing and advertising have always seen the power of evoking emotions really creates a memorable mm. moment when you watch, um, for say, for example, a television ad or when you create a beautiful creative asset that evokes emotion you know, what I've always understood is scientifically it creates a physical response and that really marks it in the memory, which is why we can always remember sometimes good and bad here. You know, we carry trauma because there was so much emotion in mm. a moment that we can always remember it. What's really interesting is this creative, imaginative way of storing, placing, seeing, using the four C's are all ways for us to hold on and I think this is the real story of empowering yourself is hold on to the memories, the ideas, the wisdom that you choose to own, to memorize, like hold on to the stuff that matters, hold on to the stuff that makes you a better person, hold on to the stuff that helps you do better work um, yeah. in your life. I think that's really powerful. So it's really framed in those four big C's you've got on screen, right? Concentrate create the imagery, connect concept. And then perhaps the only area where I may have explored this is continuous use, coming back to the same frameworks, ideas, models, like we do a lot on this show. But now we get like a whole new universe to create for ourselves to even just to remember the show. Yeah, you, you're totally right, Mike. And actually on those four Cs, that's probably the one that I've been closest to utilizing as well. Mm repetition and so on. Um, but what I liked about your reference to, you know, sparking emotion and that creating substantial memories for us, I think that really hits the nail on the SEE principle, mm. the C principle from, from Kevin Horsley, because that's attaching it to your senses. So we're hearing about taste, we're hearing about um, touch, um, even hearing, but imagine how much, um, Mem how, how many memories are evoked through smell, smell oh. of cut grass. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think, horrible. I think that's a great, right. It's a great demonstration of the power that you can um, attach an evocative memory yes. to those senses. So if you can create a couple of tears, <laughs> you know, in your, in your listeners or your viewers, maybe we're trying to get our, our moonshots team to start crying. I don't know, Mike, but maybe that's how you really can spark a lot of uh, substantial memories within people is down through human interaction and senses. Well, it feels like we have like put a huge package together for our viewers and our listeners, our members, but Mark, we got one more idea to come from Kevin, right? We do. We have one more clip that's going to close out the show for us today. And that's going to help us really understand how to celebrate learning. You know what I find amazing is that all Chinese children can speak Chinese. Don't you think it's amazing? <laughs> all English children can speak English, all Zulu children can speak Zulu, and all South African swimmers can speak American. 
We all have the genetic ability to speak, but what we speak is 100% environment. If you expose a child to 10 different languages, they'll learn all 10 without any instruction. And a little clue on how they learn is imagine there's a puddle in the road. What does a child do with that puddle? They jump in, they experience the moment, they have a bit of fun. What does an old person do? They walk around, they blame the government for the potholes, don't they? (laughs) So to accelerate learning, it's not what you need to do more of. It's sometimes what you need to do less of. Less judgment, less overwhelm, less excuses. So have a bit of fun with your memories. Because your memory is where your life is lived. If you didn't have a memory, you'd be totally stuck in time. You'd be unable to learn, grow, or change because there is no intelligence without stored facts. So we seriously need to stop outsourcing our brain. We're outsourcing our brain to devices. And we've got to start coming back to the most powerful technology that we have between our ears because imagination and memory are the engine's of innovation. I trust you learned something new. Thank you very much. Thank you. He's so right. But this is where I think there's the perfect relationship with Tiago Forte saying, organize all of that information. And then Kevin Horsley is saying, and then choose to master, adopt, and learn the wisdom that is most relevant to you. I think that's really strong, don't you? Yeah, I I do. I I see that very much too. If you can create that um, memory fortress, you know, you you hear ideas of of Sherlock Holmes uh, and magicians and so on, remembering all these facts. In fact, you know, Kevin Horsley himself, 10,000 digits of pi, you know, it all seems very, very unlikely, but, oh, sorry, unlikely for me at least, but that call to action around outsourcing your brain particularly nowadays, yeah. as we were learning from Tiago, so much information. I don't need to necessarily remember my geography anymore because I can only put up Google or Apple Maps. However, by doing so, it removes and releases a lot of ability that I have. And I think Kevin's really made the case for, for us today that we should stop doing that. Yes. We can take back ownership. We can train that brain like a muscle, as we were talking about earlier and only become, you know, better versions of ourselves through doing so and make life just that little bit more easier. Yeah, absolutely. And um, what a wake-up call in many respects. Like if we want to remember, uh, let's just start with the the seven effective habits, right? <laughs> Highly yeah. effective yeah. habits. Um, you know, a book that we all really acknowledge as being wonderful then we actually, you know, if that if you had read that book and you thought that it really mattered, then you should actually place it and see it so you can recall it more easily and use the wisdom better, right? Yeah, that's it. That's it. And, in fact, what I'm going to try and do, Mike, is actually utilize some of those techniques uh, today as I'm trying to remember all of those different variations of the memory techniques yes so to mem- to remember the memory techniques i'll utilize some of the memory techniques good for you so are you seeing or placing what's going to be your first protocol 
I'm going to experience the play, uh, the seeing first. Yeah, I think placing is something I've started to uh, potentially understand uh, in the past. You know, I, I can see the benefit of that, but what I haven't necessarily utilized before is the seeing aspect. So that's where I'm going to begin my. What about you? Absolutely, I think seeing is my starting point. That seems more natural for me. I feel like I've got a world of learning ahead of me, and I just can't wait. So I want to say thank you to you, Mark. I want to say thank you to our members, our viewers, and our listeners too. Thank you for joining us on show 227 with Kevin Horsley and his work, Unlimited Memory. And it really started with an introduction to the power of memory. That's right, you can remember 10,000 digits, just like the Grandmaster himself. And we have available to us all sorts of methods and methodologies the four C's being the one that Kevin brings to us today. And the two that we really enjoyed discovering was the seeing and the placing. Get out the senses, exaggerate, energize, place your ideas in a location and you will store that memory so that you can use it to be creative and imaginative, to fuel your innovation, to be the best version of yourself. And that's what we're all about here on the Moonshots podcast. That's a wrap.